Hello, and welcome to the Friendship News Hour, presented to you by Barber Dude Media. Today is August the 5th, 2021, and my name is Frank Huerta. His name is Alex Kenzie, and we're a couple bubbies coming to you live on a Thursday afternoon. How you doing, man? Doing good, man. Just bubbing around, you know, yeah. living the dream. It's about all you can do, really. <laughs> Got a nice workout in today. It's, it's beautiful here in Chicago, Illinois. Nice. Uh, more specifically, uh, Warrenville, Illinois. Mm. That is more Pacific. <laughs> if you think about it, it is more westward. I used to say that at guitar, like when I was in sales at Guitar Center all the time, just to like fuck with people. Like, yeah, I mean, this specific brand, like just, just try to like say wrong words just to look <laughs> like an asshole and a dumbass, just see if people would correct me or just like roll with it. And it humored me. That's an interesting strategy for sales growth. <laughs> yeah, this guy's a fucking moron. I need to pump up my numbers and I'm going to implement poor grammar to do it. <laughs> Will you ever watch like like Trailer Park Boys where he has like the Rickyisms? Oh, like it doesn't great. take a rocket appliance to realize. Like it was just right. it was like that. We would just fuck with people. Get two birds stoned at once. Exactly. <laughs> Fantastic. We see uh, Lionel Messi's leaving Barcelona. Yeah, I heard that. Um, I'm not big into the footballs, but, no, um, I understand that to be tr ginormous news. It's pretty big. Um, especially because it's La Liga that's shutting it down and not like Barcelona, not wanting to pay him or him wanting to leave. Um, although he did want to leave, uh, previously or like had some back and forth the last couple of years. They came to an agreement about two weeks ago. It was announced that he was. they came to terms and everything was good to go. And apparently the league had a problem with that. So they shut down the uh, contract and he will be playing elsewhere next year. How bizarre. Isn't that weird? Could you imagine? I mean, I guess the NBA did that. Well, kind of, but uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, they blocked the Chris Paul trade. I'm just trying to think of how that would be like in the States, how that would work with like the NFL. It would be yeah. the NFL because there's no real big governing global body of football. I guess FIFA, but not really, right? Like FIFA couldn't step in and tell La Liga what to do just as much as they couldn't tell Premier League what to do. Right. Cause I'm, I'm trying to think if it would be like the AFC East nixing a trade of like Tom Brady from the Pats to whoever or something similar. But I guess it would be the league. It would be like the NFL stepping in. Yeah, like Chris Paul. Which is ridiculous if you think about the trades that happen now. Like that Chris Paul trade wasn't anything. Pretty dumb. Now you got the Lakers with fucking... I mean, they're all like 35 years and older, but like the all-star team of 2003 and then yeah. fucking... The Nets with the All Star team of 2018. Yeah, yeah, that'll be interesting to see. So who they pick up? Mello, Russ. Man, bro, they yeah, they picked up some players. They picked up Mello, Russ, uh, Trevor Ariza. They picked <laughs> up Trevor Ariza of the 2009-2010 championship teams. Yeah, exactly. They got Wayne Ellington from Hilarious. Detroit. He's a shooter. Uh, Malik Monk. They got him from. Uh, I think he played for the uh, Bobcats or the Jazz. Real good shooter. The only other person they like re-signed other than LeBron and Anthony Davis was Talon Horton Tucker um, from last year's team, damn near. Um, then they also signed Kent Bazemore, who's a dog. And they signed Carmelo, Dwight Howard. Oh, and Marcus Gasol. He was on the team last year, too. He was just kind of in and out. But So it's like a whole new team, man. But a bunch of old, bunch of veterans. Sounds like uh, lunch for the AARP. 
Sounds like arthritis. <laughs> yeah, I we'll see how it goes like going into the playoffs because I feel like you need that. Like those old guys, they got the experience, but you kind of got to lean on the young guys' legs and energy. Some, just, I mean, just as much or at least sometimes, you know. But if they can get to the playoffs healthy, bro, I don't, I don't see a team beating them, man. I don't, I don't know. It's a pretty good squad. Third seed at best. Yeah, you think so? I would put money on that. I'll put a dick tattoo on that one. I think, uh, I think they'll, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't care about basketball anyway, so I love to hate on LeBron. Um, I know it hurts me. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. I just don't see it. Unless COVID hits and they go into a bubble and play half a season. You just got to stay healthy, man. That's the hardest part. And I, I think that played a factor this year for the heat i mean for all the teams that went far in the bubble a lot of those guys most of those teams didn't perform nearly as well and most of them were hurt got hurt too because they had like a month and a half break between you know end of their season and starting up again so i don't know we'll see we'll see what happens i i think i think it could work out very well though i i I honestly in my head if if there aren't significant injuries i don't see a finals that isn't lakers nets because the bucks I don't think they're going to do that again. I don't. I don't see any team in the East beating the Nets at all. Bucks. Bucks would be the best chance, but they just lost one of their best defensive players, PJ Tucker. Uh, I guess the Heat actually. The Heat got some dudes, man. They got Kyle Lowry. They got uh, PJ Tucker. Um, who else did they get? They just signed one other guy too. But they're they're looking strong actually. So maybe I don't know. I wish I liked NBA more, so that I could push my children, future children, to play basketball. And get one of these contracts. I was gonna say, okay. So that that brings me to a question: What if you, when you have a child, if you have a child, what sport would you push them to do the most? Like based on on money, potential, like I guess potential earnings, easiest to advance, and what you like and would want to watch as a parent. Golf. Yeah. It's the only sport that I would push. Yeah. Really. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't care if they don't play football. That doesn't matter to me. Yeah, I was just talking to Sarah about this, and she I kind of surprised her, but I was like, I don't... If my kid wants to play football, for sure. I'm not going to push my kid to play football, though. Like That's like a way more of a lose-lose situation to me than it is a winning scenario. And even if it is a winning scenario, you know, you, <laughs> you're, you're making money for a very short period of time, most likely. Yeah. So I, I would rather see my kid do anything else. Golf, tennis, soccer... God, I hope it's not baseball, but baseball. <laughs> I do not want to go watch baseball games, man. Fuck uh, that. Baseball's the best. I'd love baseball. I, I would hate if they chose basketball. I mean, I don't care. Do what you want. But I just, I don't like the sport. I don't understand it. I don't get the hype. It doesn't excite me. Um, I would Wait. say golf and hockey. Okay. Hockey would be good, too. Hockey's a lot of early mornings for parents, though. That's fine. I'm an early but. riser. Your your genes don't really make up a basketball player, so I think you'll be all right. What are you trying to say? I, name me more than two good Mexican or Italian basketball players. Danilo, Danilo Gallinari. <laughs> yeah, there is one, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know if there are any Mexican yeah. NBA players. There, I'm sure there are, but yeah, it's just not its not in your makeup. Baseball, for sure. You'd be good yeah. with baseball. And honestly, probably soccer. You'd be great at soccer. Your kid would probably be awesome. Yeah, see, that's another sport. Like, I wouldn't mind them at all playing. And I, I don't hate soccer at all. 
but it's just it's just like down low on my like priority list of sports yeah just not in me to love the football but whatever you want it's funny that i said that about football because like i i was sitting here what was i watching i don't know oh i was watching like uh from like 08 um some oklahoma players in a locker room and they were all like they were all like doing the same beat on the benches and one player was freestyling and he was killing it and i was just like fuck man i miss the locker room so much yeah it's so great I don't know. I played a lot of sports. There's really no other experience like a football locker room, man. Yeah, dude, I, I totally agree. And, and just kind of piggybacking off that, like if there's one thing I want my kid to do, like golf, tennis would be awesome. But like I think team sports are really important for like a developing child, like yeah. to to like learn how to work and work hard with others and have fun with others and like just be in a group setting instead of like by yourself and kind of a weirdo like mm-hmm. I, I could see how golfing could make a patrick reed really easily you know just like a whiny little bitch <laughs> i was talking to uh i was talking to a, a buddy of mine mm-hmm. and we were talking about the the open the british open and it was uh it would have been saturday so it would have been after the third round. Colin Morikawa was leading, right? Sure. And I'm talking to my buddy, and he's like, I don't think Morikawa's got it. And I was like, I don't know. He's a good golfer. He's like, you know what? Something about that guy just, he's a great golfer. He's good, but I just, I don't respect him. And I go, yeah. I was like, you know what? I, I look at him, and I'm, and I'm like, this guy, he's never done an Oklahoma drill in his life, and I know it. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like there's some people you look at and you're like, yeah, you've never done that drill and it shows and it's fine. The best drill, but probably the number one leading drill for brain injuries in our country, man. That, that drill is just like run, hit them. Yeah. <laughs> you're four feet but, away from each other. <laughs> when I, when I die, please examine my brain. I'm very yeah. curious to see when I, when we grew up playing football, I just started playing until I was in ninth grade. And yeah. when I got really? into football, wow. yeah. I played football with a bunch of kids from Tijuana, right? They were in my school. And those motherfuckers told me straight up, lead with this. Really? Oh, yeah. Those guys were some killers, bro. They grew up playing the game on dirt lots. Like, these guys didn't Mm. give a fuck. Yeah. Right? So I got got a crash course in the football. You know, Hmm. you you couldn't be a bitch at all. You know, I remember the first time doing an Oklahoma drill. They called it the Crusader... Through the Crusaders, the Crusader Alley or some shit like that. I forget what they called it. Nice. It was like an Oklahoma drill, but it was two people. So you had two people here, two people here. Uh-huh. Snap. They would go like out like this and then up like that. Right. Oh, okay. They would go out, cut, and then go in and hit. Right. And they were just trying to get us used to contact. And I remember the first time doing that. I'm like, all right, well, let's see how this goes. Boom, flat on my ass. Just uh, got creamed. And I was like, oh my yeah. God, what did I get myself into? <laughs> um, and, you know, not saying that it's good at all to like continue to hit with your head. And I had a couple concussions playing football, but, um, you know, it, t- it definitely toughened you up. It oh, definitely sure. like made you like way less afraid of like physical contact in almost any form. Yeah. Yeah. We did, uh, we did the Oklahoma drill and then we also did, the main one we did was called the door drill. And that was like my, our high school literally put this big ass door 
uh, in, in the middle of our field and you'd have, you know, like kind of like Oklahoma, you'd have a lineman and, and a ball carrier and then a defensive lineman and a linebacker. And offensive, like the, like the running back would just tap your offensive lineman left or right side of their, of their ass, and that's how you know which way to go. And the guys playing defense have no idea which way they're coming. Mm. So it's like quick reactions, and then you know you got to come with force when you got a running back coming at you full speed that knows his direction. So it was um, a little bit of a disadvantage for sure a disadvantage for the defense but a fun fucking drill man we had a lot of fun out there the whole team would circle around and and the coach would call out matchups basically oh that's cool fucking fun yeah do you guys ever do that one where you like you had one guy in the middle and the whole team surrounding him what no i I don't think so no No? Mm -mm. so yeah you one guy in the middle whole team is surrounding him and you're just chopping your feet and you're looking and you're looking you and there's a coach in your in your blind spot and he's pointing people out and you don't know where it's coming from and you look and you have to hit them and oh, like shit. That. oh that'd be yeah. fun yeah that'd be really it was, fun. Yeah, yeah it was terrifying oh, um that too and but see back then we didn't even it, it, it wasn't just like us as players, as coaches or anybody. We didn't have any semblance of CTE or brain damage or anything yeah. like that. It wasn't even on our radar. Mm-hmm. We had no, I mean, we had helmets. There you go. That's your protection. It's crazy how far that's come in 10 years, man. I saw a picture yesterday of Lyman at training camp uh, wearing like pads on top of their helmets. It was like, oh, really? The padding on the inside of the helmet, but taken out and then put on the inverse and on top of the helmet. Do you, okay, here's a question for you. Do you think in 100 years the NFL will be a thing still? That is a great question. Because I'd be willing to bet, you know, like something like 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 soccer, football. Premier uh-huh. League's been around for at least 100 years. I'll, I'll look up what it, exactly it is. But it's like those some, some sports are here to stay, I, I would believe. Football, with the way they're looking into all these brain injuries and, and just the way the sport has changed, like I just said, like in 10 years, it's totally changed from what it used to be and, and now it's like a liability to play defense like it's all going towards offensive i could i could see the nfl disbanding in, in 75 years yeah i don't know it's hard to answer but i will i'll say this as long as it's a way out for kids in the inner city it'll be a thing yeah but see i think there's more you're gonna see more kids in the inner city go and play basketball than they are gonna play football because like why Maybe. why go and beat the shit out of your body to you know, maybe make Why it not? to the league. Why not? You're a kid. You don't give a shit. You're a poor kid who knows that you're good at sports. And right. you've got somebody telling you you could be somebody in football. And look, dude, like not saying it couldn't come down, but the zeitgeist that is college football, man, that that machine is too big. Yeah, it is. I don't know. Yeah, and, 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 you know, it, it, it all comes down to consumption. If football will stop being as popular as it is when we stop making it as popular as it is, when we stop playing fantasy football, when we stop watching every Sunday, when we, you know, like when we stop caring about Michigan football or Ohio State football or SEC football, it's all it's all up to us, man. Michigan football is making it pretty easy to forget about Michigan football, though. I'll tell you that much in the last. Yeah, for you years. and me, but they still sell out a hundred thousand <laughs> fans every yeah. game. So they do. You yeah, tell that's me. Totally true. Yeah. Uh, just some data correction here. So I, I just said Premier League has been around for 100 plus years. Premier League, as it is today, has only been around since 1992. But the league that was the Premier League before was has been around since April 17th, 1888. Fact so, check. Fact check, real quick. Alex Kenzie's fake news. <laughs> yeah, right. Speaking of the news, Alex Kenzie, 
I got a little uh, good Biden, bad Biden for you. Okay. So that could um, be a good segment. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been great when Trump was in office. Um, it is a good segment, I think. And, you know, he doesn't do a lot of things where we can sit here and, you know, completely tear him down and cry foul. But what he did yesterday or two days ago, while, you know, while we were recording our last show, he reissued a nationwide eviction moratorium. Um, and this is after his own White House <laughs> had basically come out and admitted like, hey, this isn't going to stand up legally. So basically, he he did something 100% unconstitutional and then admitted it. He did it in the name of uh, keeping people in their homes and not evicting people who can't afford their rent, right? Mm-hmm. Because that there was an eviction moratorium that was going to end on Tuesday. And with that moratorium would allow landlords to cut off their renters who have been paying rent. Now, with this moratorium, you could be fined uh, up to like $100,000 for evicting somebody. So it's ridiculous, right? Here's my issue with this. It's like, I I can equate it to when you're dealing with a bad umpire in baseball, right? If you're gonna start calling strikes low out of the strike zone, you have to be consistent about it. If that's going to be your strike zone, fine, but be consistent about it. In this sense, if somebody's going to do something unconstitutional, like the president of the United States, um, we should be pretty outraged about that, regardless of the, of the justification for it, right? And you know, if this was on the other foot and Trump was in office, we would be living. When I say we, I mean the media, the people who are the loudest in the echo chambers in which we reside. And we've heard a peep about it. Why? Because you can justify it by being right or good or whatever. Not saying this doesn't help people. It definitely does. But it is 100% constitutional. Joe Biden himself says, the bulk of the constitutional scholarship says it is not likely to pass constitutional muster. He's literally doing something against the law, admitting to it and and doing it so that he can buy time for Congress to, God forbid, do their jobs for the lawmakers to, God forbid, m- make laws, which is something I don't know that we should even encourage them to do, but it is up to them, right? The reason that Joe Biden got in the White House, got involved in this in the first place is because the CDC was the one that was continuing extensions on this moratorium. The Supreme Court ruled that the CDC's extensions on the moratorium were unconstitutional and they would not allow them to extend it again. That's how we got to this Tuesday where the moratorium was going to end. And because that moratorium was going to end, Joe Biden said, we're going to extend it. The federal branch of the government is going to extend it. The only people who have the right to do that is the legislatures, is, is the lawmakers, is Congress and the Senate. And they haven't done it. Shocker. They haven't done it. So here we have the sitting president doing something 100% unconstitutional and crickets, whispers. So question, can't like a president cannot like suggest a bill or like put forward, like make it a policy? I mean, he could be, he could, he could come out and say, we need to do this. Right. Mm -hmm. We need to end this moratorium. And the louder he shouts, the more pressure the people in Congress are going to have to introduce it to bill. But the only people that can introduce laws are the Congress. 
And then he's who right. would the sign law that into is, law. Gotcha. The law is introduced in the House of Representatives. If it passes the House, it then goes to the Senate. It has to pass the Senate. Then when it hits the Senate, it has to go to the president and the president can veto it or they can sign it into law. Okay. Yeah. I'm just thinking like when presidents, the, the my first hundred days in office and they announce all their plans, but that's what you're saying is it's just them trying to put the pressure on the Senate or whoever to get their agenda. And he's trying started. to buy time. He's just trying to buy yeah. time so that they could write the legislation to, to extend, to do whatever, but there's no plan in place. Nobody knows what they're going to do because mm -hmm. for over a year, we've just supported people who quote unquote can't pay the rent. I'm sure there's people who can't pay the rent, but it's not that far of a stretch to say that we have just been supporting people who don't want to pay rent. And yeah. now that this is going to be, you know, and like, it's like, can we sit here and, and reasonably opine that because this extension is going to be in place, that's going to help anybody that people are going to start being responsible and making decisions to prepare for when this goes away. So it's either this goes away after this extension, which who knows how long it'll last weeks, maybe months, who knows? We don't even know. It, what is the legislation going to look like a permanent extension or how, <laughs> it, how is it? How are we going to bridge this gap? And you know, not to get too deep into the weeds here, but that is the core issue of entitlements. Why people are not fond of entitlements. It's not because they don't want to help people in need. It's because there's no such thing as, an, as a, as a temporary entitlement ever. And furthermore, once you put an entitlement into place, like whatever, I think the, the latest example would be Obamacare, right? That's more or less an entitlement. That's never going to go away because then how do you argue with somebody trying to take something away from you that the federal government has already given away, given to you, right? How do you, how do you, I think the last president to successfully do that was Clinton when he, I think he scaled back welfare just a little bit. I might be wrong on that, but I don't think I am. Um, but like, you could see how that could be one of the most difficult things to do. We have this thing, right? You want to scale it back or take it away for reasonable, rational reasons. And the only way that it's going to be spun on the other end is that you don't care about the people that you're trying to take that away from, mm. you know? And, and for, like in this example, the reason that there was action taken by the Biden administration is because there was intense pressure by progressive groups to do something about this because it would have resulted in a very chaotic and dramatic uh, outturn of people getting evicted from their homes. But I mean, shit that unfortunately that kind of thing might be necessary every now and then if we're going to continue to play by the rules that we have been where you pay your fucking rent. I mean, that those have been the rules, right? Well, yeah, and you work a job to pay your rent. Like, and, and that's not even a factor now. Like, it's what I said in the last episode. It's like these, I don't understand how this is, people are still not able to pay their rent because you're getting more money than you did on unemployment. So it's like, if, if you're getting unemployment, you can pay the rent. You just don't want to spend your unemployment on that, apparently. You want to spend it on whatever else. Like, it, that makes no sense to me. Like, go out and get a job. 
stop just soaking up money from the government. Like you're saying, once, once, but once you start getting paid, like I can't blame these people like for, well, fuck, I don't got to pay my rent. I can still get a two, three grand, you know, every couple of weeks for chilling here and fucking playing 2k or doing whatever the fuck. Like, why wouldn't you do that? Like, I, I can't fault the people that like want to take advantage of it. But at the same time, it's like, you're fucking everything up. But it's the government's fault. It's not their fault, per se. They're just taking well, advantage of it. Yeah, I, I guess, right? It, it kind of is the government's fault. But I, also, like, culturally, we don't have a uh, big, strong uh, culture that, that, that says that we need to start saving money or that we need to be fiscally mm-hmm. responsible. It's all about, you know, do you, YOLO. You know, fucking, you want to be happy, go do your thing, right? Like, it's it, that's what it is. Eh, for better or worse, whatever, you know, we have a lot of fun. But at the end of the day, we if that is what we're going to do, we can't look at, we can't look at something like this and then and then get pissed off that that we're not able to make it happen, you know? And all that tells me is that we are no longer the self-governing experiment that we set out to be. If we're not going to take the responsibility of freedom and act like we want to take the responsibility of freedom, then yeah, we're just going to give up things to the government who want to buy our votes. And in this way, if you're the president that is allowed to say, I'm not going to allow you to be evicted from your home, then, you know, you've been saved by, by the government, by the president. And, you know, it's, it, 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 something's got to give here. And, and uh, uh, to me, I don't think there's any good as straddling the fence. Stop pretending like you want to be something that you're not. If you want to have the government take care of everything, then, you know, be forthright about it. Say it, mm-hmm. be upfront with the people about it, you know, and let us know that's the direction you're going and don't pretend like you want to be, uh, the land of the free and the home of the brave and then go around and do shit like this. It, it makes no sense. And it's very frustrating to the people out there who may be naive and thinking that we are still this, this country that, that is uh, a, a meritocracy, that one that is based on, on freedom and hard work and personal responsibility. Cause that is not what we're about right now. Certainly not. And I think this is the latest example of, of that. It's proof positive. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're in like a a standoff of sorts or like a traffic jam because you have a pandering government right now and a lazy people. And it's like, to me, the only thing I can think of that, that could get us out of this rut and stop all this unemployment, stop people saying that they can't pay the rent is for the corporations and the people that have benefited the most from capitalism over the past hundred, whatever years. Step up and have start paying more so people are incentivized to go and work because otherwise they're not going to get off unemployment. People are still going to keep whining and bitching that they can't pay their rent, even though they're making more unemployment than they did before working wherever. The only way that I can see that that this problem can be solved, solves itself, whatever, is if people are incentivized to go back to work instead of saying, fuck that, I can stay home and make the same or more chilling. That's the only clear path I see. Yeah, I, 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 that 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 sounds like a good idea, and you know, it it really is kind of a slap in the face to the people who really do need this help, man. Like it, these things were set up as so, you know, it's a last resort. 
And, you know, there used to be some decent amount of shame that went involved with signing up for government entitlements, right? Like signing up for government assistance, like, ah, fuck, you know, it's like, can't wait to not be on this, right? Like, can't wait to, to not take, to be on the government dole, yeah. to take a dime, to take a dime from, from Uncle Sam, you know, because it's like, that's not what we were supposed to be about, man. I remember my mom was uh, on welfare, how, how like excruciatingly embarrassing it was for her. Um, but like, there was no other option, you know, she needed to feed her kids and she didn't know what else to do. And so she went to the place where she knew that she could get help. And it's like, okay, that's great. And as soon as she could, she got off. Mm-hmm. And that's not the behavior that we're, that we're uh, promoting right now. The, the behavior that we're promoting, that the, the, the culture that we're promoting is one that we're the richest country in the world. Therefore, we should be given the things that are our bare necessities. And, um, yeah, man, I, I just, I don't know where we go from here. It doesn't give me a lot of hope, but, um, that was uh, a bad Biden and, and here's good Biden to some, maybe you don't agree with this, but, uh, it was announced today that the U S is to set, uh, electric vehicle sale goals of 50 percent by 2030 meaning 50 percent of all cars sold uh in by 2030 will be either electric hydrogen fuel cells or plug-in hybrids um in california and i mentioned this before but in california there's been an executive order that states that by 2035 any new car sold cannot be of an internal combustion engine it has to come from a renewable source so either hydrogen electric or plug-in hybrid uh so that's 2035 and that's all cars federal government is saying 50 percent of all cars by 2030 and um i'm on the front lines of this in my job i i am uh I, I head up a, a, a renewables division for my company and I, I sell the equipment for renewable vehicles, um, mainly electric vehicle chargers, but I dabble in hydrogen and, and, and uh, plug in hybrids to some extent. We knew this was coming because the writing that we saw on the wall was every single car manufacturer, and that is not hyperbole, every single car manufacturer had a plan by 2030 to either have a line of electric vehicles that mirrored their internal combustion engine vehicles or do away with electric or internal combustion vehicles altogether and have a line of only electric vehicles. And that is every manufacturer Lamborghini by 2024, all electric Mercedes by 2025, all electric, um, Kia, Honda, the key group is, Hyundai, Kia, Genesis, um, Daimler, Chrysler, GM, Ford, Chevy, which is GM, uh, Volkswagen, um, everyone, every single one of them had plans out. Um, and there was a, uh, let's see, a White House event this afternoon where leaders of General Motors, Ford, and Chrysler, along with the United Auto Workers, were at the White House during, uh, for a meeting. And um, it was interesting that Tesla was not invited. Um, hmm. Elon Musk tweeted, 
Seems odd Tesla wasn't invited. That was his tweet. And it does seem odd because um, Tesla is wholly responsible for this. They developed the technology. They didn't set patents on it, and they made it available to everybody. I mean, come the fuck on. You want to talk about moralistic capitalism. That's it right there. Any other person with really any sense in business um, would have patented that technology and they would be making billions right now selling that those patents, selling that technology. And to some extent, I'm sure that that does happen. But, but by and large, the technology was available for every car manufacturer to take mold into what makes sense for their manufacturing processes and then improve upon. And they have... And we're seeing the fruits of that labor now. For Tesla not to be invited is incredibly shady. I, I, I feel like they don't get enough credit um, for what they do. And, um, and anyways, so, so that's their plan. Um, and it's ambitious because right now, it's like 3% of all cars sold in America are EVs. That's it. Just three. And so in eight and a half years, they want that to jump to 50. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, talk about ambition, man. That is, that is an overhaul of the entire auto industry as we know it. With your position, with what you do, um, and you, you had the electrical, the like vehicle division of your company, correct? Yeah. And then with your feelings on like climate change and, and climate, how do you, get behind like your sales pitch. Cause obviously it's gotta be like a believable sales pitch, something that you, I mean, there's more than just climate change to get behind this, but like, how, how do you, how do you sell that when, when like, if you, if you, if you don't think that like we can ever make a dent in, in any kind of climate change, any global warming, anything like that, how, how do you get behind like electric vehicles in the way that you do, you know? Yeah. It's easy for me because I don't have to believe in the mission. Mm-hmm. It's here. It's just it's happening. here. Yeah, it's happening. Right. I, I I cannot stop this this oncoming force. It has, has nothing to do with my beliefs in climate change or uh, you know global emissions, carbon emissions. It has nothing to do with that at all. Um, I will say that unabashedly, I am here to take advantage of this wave. Of course, yeah, monetarily, yeah. that's why I'm here, and it's working out right. well. But. <laughs> You, you know, I, I, w- I wouldn't mind sitting here and talking shit about it either because the reason that this has been at, at such a lightning speed... Well, I'll back up real quick. Do we need to stop taking fossil fuels out of the ground and then burning them and expelling that carbon into the atmosphere? The answer is yes. Very simple. Yes, we do. That does not make sense. It's it. I think the uh, common sense tells you that is a terrible idea in the long term. And I think... You could say reasonably that we have seen the fruits of that, and they're not and they're not good fruits. They're spoiled fruits. I think that because of that, there have been incredibly ambitious goals set by the most progressive state in our nation, California. And those goals have to do with carbon emissions on the whole, right? Uh, I think it's like fifty percent of carbon emission levels from the 1991 or 92 or 90 baseline. So they're taking whatever our carbon emissions were in like 1990 as the baseline. And then like by like 2025, 
those emissions need to be reduced by like half. And then by 2030, it's like 80%, right? Crazy ambitious goals. How do we get there? Vehicles are the number one. And there's farming and there's other things, but vehicles by and large are the number one industry that needs to change. So what is the most viable option going forward? If we had the technology and we had the supply, hydrogen is the most viable source of renewable energy going forward. And hydrogen vehicles are just electric vehicles. That's all they are. But the hydrogen fuel cell, when it reacts, creates energy, that energy gets sent to the battery and that's what charges the battery. So you don't have to plug it in. You fill it up with hydrogen, the hydrogen reacts, charges the battery and the only emission is water, right? Tremendous idea. It works well. California has 50 some odd uh, hydrogen fueling stations all up and down the, the, the state. And it's basically the only market in the United States where hydrogen is a viable source of, of fuel for passenger vehicles. It takes about $5 million to build a hydrogen fuel station. It's incredibly expensive. It's super highly engineered. And the supply of hydrogen not only is throttled, it's choked, but it comes from refining oil. More, More or less, it comes from refining oil. So you have your challenges there. Then you look at electric vehicles. Electric vehicles, because we have the battery technology, are the fastest way to reach those carbon emission goals in the time that we want to meet them. So you set up a bunch of charging stations all up and down the state, all over the country. You put the cart before the horse. Buying behavior dictates that when you put a electric vehicle charger in an area where people frequent like their apartment or their place of business, they are way, way, way more likely to purchase an electric vehicle and electric vehicles are fun and cool. So that is the way that they're going. And it presents an entire world of challenges when it comes to um, pollution because they're needing to go and find the materials to build these batteries by scrubbing the seafloor, by taking resources from poor countries, by doing a lot of shady shit. And it's basically like you're taking one bad thing that we know we shouldn't do. And then you're exporting the worst behaviors that we use in that industry. And you're taking it in a renewable industry. You're painting it green and you're calling it good. So lithium can't be made, can't be engineered? No. No. No way. No, it's a natural, it's a natural resource. And there is a theory out there that the goals of our nation and other nations when it comes to electric vehicles can't be met because of the finite resources and the, 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 the finite characteristics of the batteries that we use in these vehicles. And what the, the materials that we use in the chargers themselves. So what good are we doing? And furthermore, you have a grid, and we'll talk about California because that's where I'm at and that's the biggest example. You have a grid, right, that cannot handle the demand that we want to stress it with, with our goals, right? So if our goal is all new cars that are sold after 2035 are not internal combustion engines, then that means an incredible stress on the electrical grid of California. Right now, 
every single major electrical utility in California, SDG&E, San Diego Gas and Electric, SCE, Southern California Edison, and PGE, Pacific Gas and Electric, they make up, I'm estimating here, but like not by much, like 80% of all of electricity in California. They have programs right now where they will subsidize your infrastructure for electric vehicle charging with the promise that you're going to continue to use these electric vehicle chargers for 10 years because they have a vested interest in selling you as much electricity as they possibly can, knowing that they do not have the electrical infrastructure themselves to handle the demand that they're trying to create. And so what's going to have to happen is what they're calling grid 2.0, where they take all this money that they're trying to get from you and then reinvest it in the electrical grid, make it more robust so that it can spread out electricity all over the country, all over the state, uh, and provide the electricity needed. Where is that electricity coming from? Burning coal. Huh. So what the fuck are we doing? We're decommissioning n- nuclear sites, which is the only source of re- renewable energy, the only source of energy we know that can power cities and we can contain its waste. It's the only source of energy that we know. And we're decommissioning them all over the country. So if we're not talking about nuclear energy, then we're talking about fossil fuels to power electricity, electric grids. And the way I see it, it's just one big circle jerk. But like I said, I'm just one dude who happens to be in the position to benefit from it. And, uh, and I am so. Yeah. So do you think that this, if this is rolled out by 2030, that in a hundred years, like there will be a measurable effect or do you think it's just kind of going to be, you know, new problems. Will there be a measurable effect in carbon emissions? Yes. Will will there be a measurable effect in climate? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It's impossible. Any, I think any well-reasoned person can can tell you the same thing. So uh, we're trying to cut carbon emissions and that's fine, but we know that we cannot dictate the climate. And so is it for the best? Uh, That's what they're telling us. So we'll see. Well, what do you think about Nazis? Love them. <laughs> what do you want me to say? <laughs> I saw an interesting story and, and I'm like, ah, okay. I'm going to tell you the story first and just kind of, I want to get your feedback on it. A hundred year old uh, alleged ex-Nazi is going to be standing trial in October after German prosecutors charged him for playing a role in nearly 3,500 deaths at a concentration camp north of Berlin. Authorities charged this man in February for his alleged role at the Sachsenhausen Nazi concentration camp. And he remains unidentified due to a uh, country's privacy laws, basically. The Sachsenhausen Nazi concentration camp was nearly 20 miles north of the country's capital, where tens of thousands of Jews are estimated to have been victims to have been murdered uh, according to the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum. Uh, this man's alleged crimes included complicity complicity? I don't know how to say words sometimes, Frank. I type them, but then I don't know how to say them. That sounds right. Uh, in executions by firing squad and poisonous gas, um, he was deemed fit to appear in court despite his old age of 100. Um, because Nazi camp guards generally went anonymous, prosecutors have found it very difficult to identify specific defendants and prove like any acts against uh, victims, pinning them to like 
certain people. Um, in 2011, a court in Munich did find a man guilty of accessory to murder for serving as a guard at uh, a concentration camp in Poland, um, but he denied any involvement and actually ended up dying a year later. A 96-year-old woman right now has been accused of working as a Nazi uh, when she was the secretary to the commander of uh, to a commander that was at another concentration camp in Poland, uh, and will face trial this year. Not not any support of Nazis whatsoever. It's they're fucking scum of the earth. Some of the worst people have ever lived. Um, but but what good does taking a hundred year old person to court do? Like what do do? Do you think like Jewish people find solace in that he'll? I, I guess he'll live out his last year or whatever of his life in prison. But I don't I don't know. I it's just weird that. I don't know what they're supposed to do because this dude's a piece of shit, but it's like, put him out the pasture. <laughs> Seems weird that they would keep his name anonymous. Yeah, I, I don't know what that's about. Maybe did have to shame his family who had nothing to do with it, I guess. Like nah, that fam- should be that should be the legacy. I mean, that, that uh, to me, if you really wanted to punish the guy, I mean, this whole time he thought he, he thought he got away with it. Or maybe he didn't yeah. think anything of it. I don't know what this guy thought. But if you really wanted to get at him, why wouldn't you disclose him publicly? Get him on camera, interview his ass, say who he is, and have his family live with that shame. I mean, yeah, maybe they're not culpable in what he did, but that's who he is. And because he was able to uh, live out his life and have a family, maybe, I don't even know if he does, but you know, because he was able to enjoy the the life after Nazi Germany. I mean, yeah, I mean, it would seem to me that you would try and cause him as much discomfort and shame as, as humanly possible, but keeping his name private and throwing the book mm. at him. I mean, I guess, I guess, yeah, I don't know. To me, it's just like, take him to court, I guess. If found guilty, kill this dude. Why would, if I'm a German taxpayer, why would I want to pay to support this dude, the rest of this dude's life in prison. Like he, if found guilty, like they're saying, responsible for 3,500 deaths. If that's not good enough for the death penalty, like I don't know what is. I don't care how old yeah, you are. Yeah, I know? guess that's terrible optics, though. I mean, like putting a hundred year old man to death, like yeah. that's that's yeah. very cruel. You know, somebody who's on the door. Yeah of death himself and you're just gonna I mean I don't know I don't know what do but, you do I, that's what I'm saying like like I, yeah. I I think there's good to be had like talk to them maybe there's some remorse there you know maybe there's something that we can learn True. Um, you know something uh, living that old knowing all that you did I, I don't know I, I think I would I would I would want to get in his brain as much as possible instead of punishing him because what do you do to a hundred-year-old guy? He's fucking, you know. I, I wouldn't if he was in the states. If this happened in the United States and we found him in the states, I wouldn't want to be a part of a country that like was actively trying to punish a hundred-year-old. Given his crimes were heinous and awful, I mean, like that—that that to me is like I think it's cruel. I think there's better ways to go about that, and I think the best way is see if there is any kind of remorse, any sort of stories he can tell, anything that he could say about his time or 
the things that he saw or the things that he participated in, um, you know, short of like granting him immunity, be like, listen, you're a hundred years old. There's nothing we can really do to you. Um, why don't you just tell us what happened? And then once he tells us what happens, we gas him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, dude, uh, yeah, he got to live a full you, fucking I mean, life. He got to live a full life free of any any charges, any anything. And he stole that full life from 3,500 people, supposedly. So I, I don't feel any remorse for this dude. I just, I, yeah, killing a 100-year-old, I guess, what good does that do? But at the, at keeping him alive uh, yeah. at state funding that. Fuck that. No way. Yeah, because I think my feeling, my, my, my point of view doesn't come from feelings for the guy or like any, any sort of sorrow that I would feel for him dying. It's more or less like the optics of it. Like, do you want to be the, do you want to be the country that does that? Yeah. I, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know how people feel over there. If you, if you see this guy and they're like, yeah, we want to, we want to rid him of, rid our, ourselves of all of that history and we want to condemn it to the highest degree possible and we don't care how old this person is we're going to punish him for his his war crimes um i don't know that's a tough one it's tough it's, it's i thought it was an interesting story and apparently now even secretaries are getting dragged into this so idk yeah but um yeah and then i i just had one other quick hitter i just thought this was really cool news out of colorado um specifically pueblo county which is south of denver uh, about an hour, hour or so. They unveiled more than $2 million in marijuana sales tax scholarships, basically, uh, that are going to be distributed to local schools and organizations for the upcoming fall semesters. Oh, neat. Yeah, it's pretty friggin' awesome. Um, hopefully, this can be taken and kind of ran with in, in a lot of other places. I think this is amazing. The country or the county is going to be awarding how they're going to be dispersing that $2 million is $1 million is going to be going to Pueblo Community College. Um, $616,000 will be going to the uh, Colorado State has a like satellite campus there. Um, so it's going to be going to that foundation. $385,000 of that is going to uh, the Colorado State Pueblo Athletics uh, for student athletes. And $26,000 uh, is going to the Pueblo African American Concern organization. Uh, the administrators of the scholarships announced this type of accessible funding available is key to convincing students to enroll in school and stay in Pueblo County. Um, the scholarship program was first approved by voters in 2015 and has since grown and now stands at a full phase 5% tax uh, on all marijuana purchases that go back to their community. This is just in Pueblo County. Um, when the scholarship program was created, it was initially for Pueblo County high school graduates who planned to go to a Pueblo school. Uh, but in 2019, the Board of Pueblo County Commissioners expanded the eligibility to include all Pueblo County residents with a GED who plan to attend some form of higher education in the United States. Um, I personally reached out to the Pueblo County for comment and for free marijuana, but they have not got back to me yet. So we'll I'm hoping see. for the latter. <laughs> I don't really care what they have to say, <laughs> but pretty cool. I, I I'd love to see this rolled out everywhere. I, I think it's not only a great drug, great plant, um, a great thing in a lot of different ways, but now to see it go into our education system and, and make a difference there as well. I'm all for it. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad to see the tax dollars go into something good, something righteous maybe that's yeah. a good word 
you know, a righteous cause, the children. The only thing I would worry about is like if these schools know that they're getting money from these tax dollars, I would hate for it to be like kids equating like weed equals good. Therefore, weed equals me being able to do it and no consequences because we're wholesale saying it's good. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm the last person to, to, to ever talk down on, on marijuana, but I would say that a developing brain does benefits zero. There's a, there's a negative effect on a developing brain when, when using drugs and marijuana is included in that. And so like, that's the only thing it's like, great that these taxes are going to the schools. Hopefully it's making a difference in a positive way. Um, but I, like I said, I would hate for the message to be like, Oh, weed is bringing in a ton of money and it's helping fund our schools. So it's legal and it's helping fund our schools. So it's gotta be a really good thing. Therefore there's no downside to me being a user of it. And yeah, I would, I would hate for that to be the message. I don't think it is. No. Um, but, but yeah, I would, I would, I would hate for that to be the like straight line equation that we draw, uh, for our children. So maybe they're not, maybe they're teaching them, you know, I, I don't know. There's not really like th- any like marijuana education that I can draw from where it's like, we're teaching kids what's good and what's not. And, you know, yeah. Cause like when we were kids, there was dare, you know, and like, yeah. you know, and mad right. moms against drugs. And it's like, just like bad. Like there was no wholesale bad, of, right? Yeah. There was nothing. So I, hopefully like those messages have been amended in the new world now. And, and some of that education's out there for kids. But also I know that like, I think it's at least like 18, even in recreational States that you can't buy it. And yeah. I know the brain keeps developing till 23, 26. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, uh, I see it as bad, but I mean, I see alcohol as bad and that still is going down. I see tobacco as bad and that's still going down. So of the bad things, I feel like this is the least bad. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. But cool little program. Want to touch on anything else before we get out of here? That's all I had. That's all you had. Um, did you have coffee today? I didn't have coffee today. Wow. You believe that shit? Whoa. I know. It's yeah. a notable, it's a notable day. That is a notable day, man. Well, if you're out, perhaps, and you need to get some more, I know where you can get some more. Because drinking a good smooth cup of coffee is a treat all by itself. But when it helps American heroes like veterans and first responders, it is that much better. Gun Barrel Coffee, our sponsor, is proud to donate $1 from every sale to veterans and first responder charities all across our great country. They got tons of blends. I could read them all to you. You could go check them out. Either way, the Moab, Battleship, Double Dark, a lot of great stuff. The Medic, the CBD one. Tons of great brews, blues, and flavors. Um, They have 14 different roasts and blends, which you can get in whole bean ground or single-serve pods. And right now, as a friend of our ship, you can use the promo code FNH10 to save 10% at checkout when you buy their products at gunbarrelcoffee.com. That is promo code FNH10 at checkout. Gun Barrel Coffee. Damn good coffee. Damn good cause. Absolutely. Um, maybe that's why I'm so slap happy right now because I haven't had any coffee today. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, we've been hearing a little bit uh, more from you out there, and we appreciate it. Um, 
We, we will always give you our channels of communication because we uh, want this to be more interactive um, than it is now and actually as interactive as possible. So if you are on Twitter, you can find us at FriendshipNH. If you are on Instagram, you can find us at Friendship News Hour. If you are on TikTok, you can also find us at Friendship News Hour. And if you'd like to send us a longer note, you can always email us at bummerdude.media at gmail.com bummerdude.media at gmail.com that is our time today we will see you next week